Hello, and welcome to Breaking the Mold, a podcast from the National Precast Concrete Association. Tune in each month as we dig into a different aspect of the precast concrete industry. I'm Joe Frollo, NPCA Director of Communications and Public Affairs. We hope you enjoy this podcast and get a little something out of it. Make sure to subscribe and rate us so we can continue to grow and serve our membership. Today, we're going to be talking about environmental product declarations, what they are, where they're being required, and what to expect as a precast concrete producer. We'll start by talking to Andy Hayward of Panhandle Concrete Products in Nebraska. Later in the show, we'll hear from NPCA's Claude Gauguin and Craig Whedon of the Colorado Department of Transportation. Let's get started. Hey, Andy, how you doing today? Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Joe. Not doing too bad today. How about you? Doing well. Doing well. It's a, it's a nice start to the week where we're talking to each other. So currently, there's about a dozen states where there's either you know, legislation, pending legislation, or policy changes that are coming for environmental product declarations. I know you there in Nebraska at uh, Panhandle Concrete Products are going to be you know, involved with that intimately with the business that you do in the state of Colorado. Just to start out with, for, for those people who maybe aren't as familiar with EPDs or are just starting to learn about them, what is an EPD? What are we looking at here? EPD is an environmental product declaration. And essentially what it does, it reports on greenhouse gas emissions, acidification potential and smog creation potential. Essentially the carbon footprint and body carbon global warming potential are all involved in this. And I, I believe Claude with MPCA said best, it's kind of like a food label, kind of describing what's in, in the product. Um, but in this case, it's all carbon based. And yeah, that's just kind of the summarize it up. Yeah. Something that, uh, kind of knew about uh, a while back, but hadn't really looked into it, but now I'm kind of having to learn a lot about it real quick. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people in that same situation here, and hopefully we'll be able to help them out a little bit today between uh, our talk and Claude is talking later in the podcast as well. Yeah, there's a growing push asking for increased transparency and sustainable impacts of construction products. Uh, precast concrete is is certainly included in that. A lot of it right now is still at the data collection points. How is Panhandle, how are you starting the process of collecting that data and, and providing what's going to be needed down the road? The first step is research, um, trying to figure out what's needed of us. Also learning about EPDs and everything that goes into making them. So for instance, with us with Colorado, we've had to figure out, you know, what do they need in their EPD and, and they want cradle to gate, which is from the raw material until the point where it goes out into the stockyard prior to shipping out. So that's good. There's also like cradle to grave stuff, which thank gosh we don't have to deal with because that's the whole life cycle of the product. So understanding what they want from us and then, like I said, researching the EPDs, figuring out how it goes into them. And now we're at the point of kind of got the gist of it. And there's a Excel spreadsheet that uh, NBC is provided that has a nice breakdown of what is needed in an EPD as well, and it gives good direction on how to go about inputting that. So it's, it's broken down really nice where all you have to do is kind of input the material you've used in the previous calendar year, uh, how far it was shipped, things like that. So it's really overwhelming at first, but once you start getting down into it, it's not as bad, it's time consuming. It's just a lot of going back through your records and hopefully they're well in order. If not, it takes a lot longer to sift through and figure out how much of each item you use to, to input into this sheet. 
it's it's a lot of legwork, but that's where we're at. So, uh, you know, we're in still on the, the early stages of collecting the, all the data and get it put into that spreadsheet. Um, so we're still going through our, our records and getting all that put together. Like you said, EPDs have been around for a while. Uh, in fact, back in 2015, NPCA partnered with PCI and CPCI to create industry-wide EPDs that worked with members of all three associations. Now, the varying state and probably eventually federal government will be asking for facility-specific EPDs and product-specific EPDs. Like you said, it's like a nutrition label when you go to the store and someone wants to look at how much sugar or how much sodium or how much, in this case, you know, carbon dioxide is is related to this product and, and what greenhouse gases get you know, escaped into the air or escaped into the atmosphere. As someone outside the process, it, 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 I, I think I agree with your assessment that, that it's going to be time consuming at first and it'll be something that you know, down the, down the road, hopefully we learn from it. Are you working with a third party vendor yet? Or are you trying to do everything in house yet so far? Not, not yet. Um, we're still getting everything in house and you know, once we do that, yeah, we have to go through a third party vendor to, we give them all the data we collected and then they create a life cycle analysis. And from that, uh, the EPs can be created. So once we get over that first hurdle, collecting all the data and getting it sent off and we have to wait and once we get that life cycle analysis it's quicker to generate the epds after that so i believe it's you know much smaller time because now the data has been collected everything's been analyzed and now it's you can break down by product or update it you know every five years after they expire or when they expire but um, it'll be a quicker process so the first time getting into it it's gonna take a bit but after that it should be just quick updates and like with most policies and new laws and and the way the government works um I think something for people to keep in mind is this will evolve over time. They're asking probably for a lot now and they'll figure out that maybe they need 70 to 80 or even you know 50% of what they're asking for now. But we're, we're really starting to get into climate activism and, and, and combating the challenges that are coming uh, down the road, whether, you know, how much you personally are invested or you personally believe in, in, you know, climate change and, and products, how much products add to it. This is the reality that we live in. No, but you're right. Um, it's it's here. Um, it's going to evolve. For instance, right now there's, you know, with Colorado, they're setting the benchmarks essentially is what we're doing. They haven't given us any regulation like it has to be below a certain level. Their first time collecting the data on it. So right now what we give them, what the other producers that provide Colorado give them will eventually become the benchmark so then once that's set then yeah it'll start evolving and honestly i think it'll probably become more stringent because they're gonna as technologies evolve and um, the further we get into the climate debate it's i think it'll probably tighten down a little more but you know as administrations change to um, from time to time there's legislation like you said and this is one of those it, it, it might be hard to start backtracking on once it gets there. So I think if anything, it might become even more stringent down the road. You know, it kind of depends on where your state is. You know, Nebraska, I don't foresee doing this, even, but you never know. But, you know, Colorado is implementing July 1st for precast. They already, last summer, I believe, last July, they implemented for reinforcing concrete, cement, and rare. There's one more, I think. Uh, the very implemented last summer, uh, so all the ready mix guys, uh, I think it was asphalt pavement as well. So now, you know, they get they told us, yeah, next summer precast is getting thrown in. So I think it's just going to keep growing. Um, and 
Colorado is going to be kind of the base model for a lot of the other states to follow suit down the road, I think. So we're kind of the guinea pigs right now. Yeah, and I think from what I'm reading too, you kind of mentioned it before that the cradle to gate, G-A-T-E, not to be confused with cradle to grave, G-R-A-V-E. I think for precast concrete, it would actually benefit the product to go a little bit more cradle to grave because the way that the EPDs are reported on now is once it leaves your facility, it, it moves on to the next stage and it's sort of the numbers are outside your control. But precast concrete's longevity and sustainability and resilience are, are really have to be added into the factor. You You can't take precast concrete in what it takes to create it and not factor in the 50 or 70 years, you know, or longer that some of those products are asked to do their jobs. Um, that, that really is a part of the math when it comes to precast concrete. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, we said earlier, a lot of M&Ds aren't really concerned with, concerned with that right now because they haven't had the, the data or probably don't have the data to, to figure all that out. But uh, yeah, for sure precast would be an advantage there and i believe you know would lower our numbers compared to uh the competing products you know your on-site products because like you said it is more resilient you know we pour it under strict quality control um yeah so it should last longer it does last longer it's more resilient to like microbial attacks for like sanitary systems it's just uh yeah it, it is something that would be an advantage to us down the road so um you know maybe they'll get there at some point but right now it's just to gate so that's where we're at how are these new policies affecting your company both in the short term and in the long term are you finding anything that you're going to be doing a little bit differently or using different types of materials or you know different anything that's changing that, you, that you're seeing will benefit you down the road or are you really just still at the number stage we're, we're in the number stage, but it's still, I mean, we're aware of the things that we can do differently. So, you know, lean's always been a thing. You know, the, the leaner you get is the more efficiently you do things. So, I mean, that's that's big. Uh, anything that you can do to make your pro products more efficiently, that will help in the long run on, you know, your emissions. You're not handling things as much. You know, you're not moving around the yard as much. Uh, you, you know, yard layouts, plan on most efficient way to store things you plan you know everything uh, efficiently so you know maybe start using um, different cements for instance on the raw material side and that's a, a lot of this a lot of the bigger chunks of this will probably come in on the raw material side because once it gets to our facilities they're they're generally relatively efficient um, you know the the bulk of the material is manufactured somewhere else your cements your rebars um, and then shipped in so that's where a big chunk of this is so you know, the Portland limestone cement will be, have lower emissions. So, you know, that could be beneficial. A lot of states are starting to require that and a lot of products are. Things like that. Record keeping, for instance, uh, so it's easier to go back and, and find all the data. You know, we keep the records. Um, it's just, it hasn't been done probably as well and, and filed or categorized as well. And now we know, hey, we need to break this up down a little bit more. So it's easier to go back and find it um, to, to do our updates from year to year. Yeah, you, you brought up cement. That's that's a good point. And, and that's going to be something that that industry is going to have to improve on their end. And then uh, it'll, it'll trickle down over into precast concrete. U.S. CO2 emissions, currently 3% of all emissions come from cement alone. Worldwide, that's around 8% though. So, you know, the, the goal is to get those numbers down. And then in, in turn, precast concrete's numbers will come with them. 
And then I liked what you said about logistics and uh, setting up you know, the yard more efficiently and things like that. Simple things like that, that will just make you a better company too. It's uh, I've had talks in previous discussions with people just about how more efficient positioning with, with where, how far people travel and how far they have to move materials and how far, you know, they have to get from point A to point B not only makes them more efficient as a company, but more efficient as workers and, and, and a tighter team and a tighter system. And all that'll come together in time as well. It's, it's, there's, there is some exciting stuff, you know, change can be scary sometimes. Uh, and maybe not, you know, scary when you're a little kid, scary, but it, it could be frustrating. It can be, uh, daunting and, 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 Sometimes you just got to push through that, whether it be a new diet, whether it be, you know, a little more exercise in your life, or maybe it's, you know, lowering the CO2 emissions of your precast concrete facility. Uh, hopefully, though, sometime down the line, you know, this will all become the norm and uh, facilities will be stronger, uh, economies will be strong, and we'll put a little less CO2 in the, in the air for our future generations. Yeah, that's where, you know, this is going to be here for a while, I think. It's, uh, you know, MPSA did, like you said earlier, they did a lot of work a few years back and we had an EPD industry-wide and it expired because it didn't really go anywhere. And as that expires, it's sure as heck, you know, it pops up again. And now it's more product-specific and plant-specific as opposed to industry-wide. So it's it's going to be here, um, you know, the more individual states that take it on, it's going to be hard to go away from. So in the end, it'll be a good thing. You know, plants will become more more efficient and uh, turn out less emissions and um, be more cognizant of the products, the materials they put into into their products they're manufacturing and start looking into more maybe environmentally friendly ways of doing things. So uh, like we said earlier, as technologies change, you know, electric vehicles and trucks now coming, that could affect it. But that's, you know, a conversation for a different day, kind of a deal on, on the benefits for electric vehicles or semis, um, and, and to see what their carbon footprints are because we don't really know that yet. So it'll change and develop and, and get better from time as time goes on. I agree. And I look forward to having that conversation with you a few years down the line when uh, another challenge comes to the precast concrete industry. You know, and, and the one thing I've found in my two and a half years here at MPCA is this industry is pretty, pretty good at rising to challenges, be it COVID, be it supply chains, you know, be it worker availability and hiring and and with the EPDs coming up I have no doubt in my mind that this is going to be a, a small bump in the road and precast concrete will move forward and do what it does best yeah that's for sure um, we do tend to rise to the occasion we kind of kick and fight along the way but we we get there and you know we pride ourselves on excelling and being better than the cast in place guys or the other competing materials once we set our minds to something the results are usually pretty fantastic so um it'll be interesting to see how this all turns out and i think you know the more plants get on board the easier it's going to be because our industry is great in networking and the, the connections that are made and sharing information with each other so the more plants that start to do this that, that get requirements from their states or municipalities or the federal government maybe down the road there'll be a few plants that have already done it and that information will start to spread and you know people reach out and, and ask questions uh, in, you know, the association and other plants. It'll be a lot easier for those uh, plants to generate their EPDs and processes later down the road. So it'll be a pretty neat thing when it's all said and done. Well, it's been a great talk, Andy. Once again, thanks for uh, giving us some of your time today. And uh, we look forward to see you down the road with 
all things NPCA, Precast Concrete, and of course, the foundation as, as chairman. Well, yeah, thanks. I'm glad we got our foundation plug in. <laughs> Marty wouldn't let me back in the door if we didn't. Yeah, so so that's, that's my plug for the 2024 silent auction. Then uh, make sure you're coming up with great ideas to donate and band early and often when it comes up next year. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll see you down the line. All right, well, thanks, Joe. Appreciate the time and appreciate the this podcast that you do for the industry. It's, it's awesome. So thank you very much and take care. Let's take a quick break to hear about some NPCA programs that can help your facility operate at peak efficiency. When we come back, we'll have NPCA's Claude Gauguin and Craig Whedon of the Colorado DOT. Hiring, training, and retaining employees is a major challenge for every industry, including precast. NPCA is giving you the tools to meet the challenge head-on with an exciting new program designed to give your new hires a head start. With NPCA's onboarding program, you can introduce new employees to your organization's expectations, behaviors, and culture while providing training and motivation for them to become a productive member of the team. To learn more, visit precast.org backslash onboarding and take the first step toward moving from employee seeker to employee keeper. Your business is only as strong as the employees that make up your workforce. Building an engaged and knowledgeable team requires constant training and an emphasis on education. NPCA provides the most complete education program in the precast concrete industry. With live webinars, an extensive archive library, and more, you'll find everything you need to keep your team on the cutting edge. Visit precast.org backslash education to learn more about the courses and resources available from NPCA. Well, hi, this is Claude Gauguin, and welcome to the podcast. Today, my guest is Craig Whedon. Craig is the Materials and Geotechnical Branch Manager at Colorado DOT. Craig has been with CDOT for over 18 years. He's a graduate of Missouri University of Science and Technology, go Miners, with a degree in geological engineering. Since the signing of a Colorado House bill in 2021 requiring the establishment of maximum global warming potential for materials used in CDOT-eligible projects, Craig's been busy assembling a team, creating a program to start collecting data. He and his team consulted with many stakeholders, such as NPCA, and have developed a comprehensive program to guide suppliers through the process of submitting environmental product declarations, or EPDs. So welcome to the podcast, Greg. Well, thank you, Claude. I'm, I'm very glad to be here with you today. Yeah. When you started with CDOT uh, back uh, 18 years ago, I guess, as an assistant regional materials engineer, did you ever imagine you'd be involved with, with a project like this? Not at all. Uh, when I started back in, uh, in 2005 with CDOT, I was responsible for doing payment designs and payment justification reports. And then I got into some materials testing and troubleshooting aspects, but never envisioned that I would be uh, implementing a program like we have with the environmental product declarations. So it's a new one for sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, tell me about the project. Tell me about this, the progression of this project from the point that when the, the bill was signed and it became a policy to where it is today. The bill was actually introduced twice. The original bill that came online uh, was reached out to by our legislative liaison and asked to meet with a uh, bill sponsor who was interested in, in 
providing preferential bidding to green construction materials. Um, and then when I explained that we were a low bid state, that kind of ended that whole conversation at that point. But what it did enable me to do was was to begin to educate myself because I knew that we have a pretty progressive uh, legislature here in Colorado, and more than likely that particular bill was going to come up again in some way, shape, or form. So in the meantime, I had reached out to the FHWA Sustainable Payments Program uh, because I knew they were also working on, on similar efforts a lot at the national level. And they helped to educate me so that when the bill did come back up again in 2021, um, I was able to at least um, have a little bit of working knowledge around these and, and what we as a state wanted to try to achieve with that program. Uh, we worked with our bill sponsor to amend the bill as it worked its way through the committee. Um, and then it finally was signed into law in July of 2021. At that point, it kind of languished there for a few months. Um, nobody really picked it up or took it. Uh, and then when somebody did realize that we were going to have to take it and run with it, uh, I was the logical choice because I apparently knew what he was and I was considered our state expert. <laughs> so that's inherited it. It was a, it was a journey. I'll tell you that. I bet. So in terms of requiring EPDs for different materials, how is it? Uh, how has it progressed? Now, I think in 2022, last year, it went into effect for ready-mixed concrete. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, we, with our year one implementation on projects that advertised after July 1 of 2022, we were trying to collect environmental product declarations for three materials that we use in our construction processes. Uh, ready-mixed concrete was one of them. Reinforcing steel was the second, and then asphalt uh, was the third. Gotcha. Um, as we stood this program up, we were looking at the industry readiness aspect of that. And, and we wanted to be successful in implementing this program. So rather than roll it out uh, and cover all of the materials that might qualify under the bill language, we were trying to see where industries were at and what their capabilities were to be able to provide us those EPDs. That's why we settled on those year one uh, elements, because we felt that those industries were ready to go at that time. And then, so, and then with, with the precast industry, you felt that, you know, we weren't so, so ready for that implementation, perhaps just last year, but with, um, that implementation or that goes into effect this July, uh, 2023, is that correct? That is correct. That's our plan right now. Um, yeah, as, as we looked at the industry readiness aspect, part of it was, was our ability to uh, reach out to these stakeholders and, and, uh, engage with them on what we were trying to do with the EPD program. And to be honest, part of it was that we ran out of time uh, and reached out to the precast industry for that year one aspect. There was a product category rule out there for precast elements, but nobody in our state had heard of it from the perspective of an EPD in terms of our precast industry here in Colorado. So we needed some time to to engage with our local suppliers, with NPCA, like you said, Claude, and, and educate them on what we were trying to achieve with the bill and allow, allow that collaborative effort with our uh, producers to make sure they were on board and understood what we were trying to collect and how to generate EPD. So that's why we elected to pursue them with our year two implementation, our year two EPD requirements. Right. Now, we know that this is a requirement for CDOT projects, but there's there's some caveats to that when it, when it comes to precast. It remind me again with the CDOT projects, it's projects that are what? What are the caveats? 
So, so again, trying to be mindful and, and be successful as we roll this out, rather than just roll it out on any and every project out there, we tried to come up with some criteria that we felt would be most impactful. Right. So we basically analyzed our, our bid items, uh, to look at those bids that or, sorry, those items that, that qualified under the broad bill language, uh, for EPD collection. And we tried to be, uh, selective in which types of products that we uh, chose to proceed with on the EPD requirements. We also looked at uh, various project size levels. Um, we looked at whether or not we grew this threshold limit at a $1 million project or a $3 million project. Um, and we settled on the $3 million threshold for when we expected or when we would require EPDs to be submitted on every on, on those projects. So again, it's not every project, but it's uh, those projects that are over $3 million yet total amount based on our engineer's estimate. That's the trigger for when we're going to require EPD collection. Gotcha. And in terms of the precast products that we're talking about here, you know, we're talking about transportation infrastructure, obviously, but that can, that can really include a lot of things. It can include the sewers, storm sewer, uh, it can include retaining walls, it can include bridges, those kinds of things. So tell me the, uh, how is the July 1st, 2023 a requirement for all of those precast uh, structures that you would find on a, on a CDOT project over $3 million, Or is that staggered as well in terms of product type? So a lot of them are common with some year one elements that we were trying to collect. Uh, for instance, elements, underground drainage elements. Um, we allow those to be either precast elements or, or if a contractor chooses, they can cast those in place at the project site. Gotcha. With our year one implementation, we already had a lot of those elements or bid items included. But we were asking for reinforcing steel and uh, ready mix concrete EPDs for those elements that were cast in place only. With the year two, we just simply expanded that to include some of those precast elements as well of that underground drainage aspect. The other uh, precast elements that we are pursuing do include those precast wall panels for retaining walls, for instance, as well as the precast girders and deck panels that uh, we see used in our structures here in Colorado. Boy, this—I'm uh, sure this took a lot of a lot of work on your part. And you've assembled uh, a team of staff members and consultants. Some of them that we were able to meet with as we, uh, as you know, you engaged with with industry and stakeholders. We've had a few meetings, so I've got to meet some of these people. How how'd you go about collecting this uh, this group? Well, it's uh, it's kind of an interesting story. Uh, well, maybe not so interesting, but again, that educational outreach that I conducted with the FHWA Sustainable Payments Program. When I when I knew this bill was coming up um, and when it was going to be passed, we did reach out to them again, and they offered uh, the possibility of an FHWA demonstration project, which is basically uh, they they provided funding to us uh, in return for our participation in a transportation pool fund. So so it was a pretty good return on our investment for for a state match aspect of I think it was fifty thousand dollars over five years. We got. Uh, $250,000 back from FHWA to kick this project off. I also asked how how we should go about implementing this, and they recommended that we engage a subject matter expert, somebody who's very familiar with the whole LCA process. They're familiar with product category rules. Uh, they're familiar with EPDs. And they provide a listing of three uh, individuals in the United States that they would recommend that we just engage one of those to a consultant task order element. All right. So now that you're you're you've got this plan in place for a lot of the materials and you're moving forward, what's the plan now in the years to come in terms of what the legislation is asking you to do? 
as far as because right now you're just you're not asking anybody to meet uh, any benchmark, right? This is just a strictly disclosure at this point. Correct. Okay. What we're trying to do, what we've been trying to do since the July 1, 2022 implementation date, we're just trying to collect as many of these environmental product declarations for the materials that we see utilized on our projects here in Colorado. And we're trying to get them drilled down to being as facility-specific or product-specific, supply chain-specific as we can. So we want to categorize, at least capture where we're at with our current specifications in Colorado with the materials that are supplied. And that's our benchmarking effort. Um, we're trying to collect enough information to uh, enable us to establish a meaningful benchmark uh, for global warming potential, which is kind of the next step that the bill requires us to do. The bill requires CDOT to develop a policy by January 1 of 2025 that establishes maximum global warming potential thresholds for these items that we're collecting on now. And that's what we're really trying to achieve is just collect as much information as we can over the next year, year and a half, so that we can be better educated to find out um, where we're at in terms of GWP for the materials that we're using and establish meaningful benchmark, meaningful thresholds for those items. Right. Okay. That seems like a, the, the good way to do it, you know, because it's, it's I'm sure you could because some agencies seem to be going out with benchmarks already, like not not going into like a disclosure, data gathering, and then benchmarks, uh, right into benchmarks. And the example I'm going to use is the, the General Services Administration, or GSA. They put a policy out not long ago that uh, their projects with a certain amount of concrete, there's criteria involved, but um, the GWP needs to be under a specific limit that is... Uh, I think it's compressive strength based. So, you know, I don't know how they got their data to establish those benchmarks. You know, was that a consideration at first or you guys, you guys are the ones that decided to do the dis disclosure first, gather the data so that you could create those benchmarks with a good foundation? Uh, again, it, it really goes back to the outreach that we had with FHWA. Uh, I had a buy clean policy that was, that was established in 2017. And I believe they were looking at utilization of those national averages or industry average EPD values to establish their credits. Again, we wanted to be uh, more Colorado specific or regionally specific on the materials that we see here. We have three, uh, for instance, for concrete materials, we have three three cement plants in Colorado that provide, provide the majority of the cement to our ready mix suppliers. The transport distance from those cement plants in, in Colorado to the ready mix suppliers plays into the development of the EPD. If we're shipping cement across the country, uh, it could be vastly different, I think, on the in terms of the GWP value. And again, our, our specifications may not necessarily align with some of the industry average EPD values that are being generated as well. So that's that's another driver for why we wanted to implement a benchmarking effort. Um, again, we're looking at materials that are produced based on our specifications for our market here in Colorado. Um, and that's that was at the recommendation of, of FHWA as well. So since you've implemented this requirement for the ready mix uh, industry, it's been almost a year now to, you know, maybe 10 months since that's been in place. I assume you've received EPDs. And how has that been going? Is that Has that experience sort of helped you refine the process for what we're, what we're doing with precast and going forward? Has it, has it gone fairly smoothly? I would say it's gone fairly smoothly, although a bit slower than we anticipated. Uh, I would say today we have advertised 
I think, 56 projects that have the EPD requirement on them since July 1 of 2022. But we've only received about 30 EPDs so far. Uh, the vast majority of those have been for ready-mix concrete, but there's been a couple in there for asphalt, a few for steel. We have learned that the form we're using to collect the information on is a bit onerous um, and clicky, and we're trying to work with our OIT group to end up a better uh, method for collecting the information that we're trying to pull in from these EPDs on projects. I guess in terms of the number of EPDs that we've received, it's not unanticipated or unexpected that we've only received about 30 so far. Uh, we're not asking for these EPDs to be submitted at the time of bidding. Uh, we're asking for them to be turned in a minimum of two weeks prior to the materials placement on our project or before it's per permanently incorporated into the project. So from that aspect, you know, we're just coming out of a pretty, uh, pretty intense winter. Um, and in fact, we're going to get some more snow this weekend. So I don't think the construction really has started to kick off on a lot of these projects that have the EPD collection requirement on them yet. Or if it has kicked off, it's probably some of the early, early uh, achievement items such as earthwork or, or things like that. So I expect uh, here in the next month or so, we'll see a pretty significant uptick on the number of EPs that we'll see turned in. Right. Right. Yeah, makes sense. Well, since you were, you're basically the first state department of transportation in the country to really launch this program. And there is a lot of others that have come uh, behind you. There's some that are uh, in the process of going through legislation and uh, but you guys were the first and with this program as comprehensive as it is and as much work as you put into it i'm wondering are other states or other agencies coming to you for help and advice uh, they are uh, we've had a lot of outreach with other states uh, around the nation in fact um, obviously some of the some of the ones that are pretty evident would be Oregon. They recently passed um, a legislation requiring an EPD program to be stood up. We've worked with Caltrans, California on some of the collaboration efforts there. We've been working with the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. They've been working to benchmark where they're at in terms of their concrete elements. So a really good collaboration with them. But I think in terms of some of the newer states that have been reached out to us uh, with the with the implementation of the FHWA climate challenge, as well as now EC7 initiatives uh, related to EPE collection on projects, we're seeing a lot more states that are reaching out to us for just information on how we went about implementing our program. Some of those states include Virginia, uh, Louisiana, Oklahoma, uh, Utah, to name a few that have reached out to us directly um, and just inquired about uh, the process that we went through. Yeah, we're getting a lot of, uh, a lot of inquiries from other states around the nation. Which is an indication that if it's not if it's not a requirement in your state uh, right now, chances are it's 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 in, in in some stage of development. And what is it that's obviously there's some incentives here. Uh, it's it started with buy clean, but now you've mentioned a couple of programs. I believe you said climate challenge and EC seven, which it means everyday counts seven federal highway administration uh, programs. How do these work? I mean, they're basically incentives for states to do this. They, the climate challenge, I think is just a, it's a grant program that allows implementation of aspects related to EPD. So it's obviously it's a voluntary, voluntary basis. Um, if you submitted for a climate challenge and were awarded the grant, you had to outline a proposal of what you intended to do in those funds. Uh, I believe there were at least five states that, that I heard of that were going to involve EPD collection as part of their climate challenge proposal. The EDC-7 initiative is another uh, another methodology that allows states to sign up to implement types of new technology and, and 
PD program that's uh, in within EDC7 is going to allow a lot more states to sign up. And it's got a bit of a longer period for implementation. I believe it's a two-year process. So you kind of benchmark where you're at in terms of uh, the initiative that you're trying to undertake, and then you provide regular updates throughout those two years to find out how, you, how you've progressed in your implementation of that new technology or new uh, types of, of information you're collecting. So I think you'll see a lot more growth here uh, related to both of those initiatives, the climate challenge and EDC7, in terms of states who are becoming more familiar with it or, or starting to dip their toe into the water, so to speak. So in that vein, then, when we're talking about states that are considering this and it may be coming, we have a lot of members. We have members, obviously, that that supply to CDOT who are right in the middle of, of, of all of this, but we have other members that may not be thinking about it very much because it's, it's just not reached that, that level of urgency in their area. And they're wondering about what they should do. You know, what, what advice would you give to, to them? Well, I would encourage them to reach out to the national organizations that they work with. Um, and that's kind of how we took, uh, took this effort here in Colorado. We engaged with the national bodies um, and our local bodies here to help educate the members on what the requirements were going to be, educate the national associations with what we were trying to achieve with our program. And then we kind of did them from two sides, so to speak. We offered up our aspect, our facilities to help train up the folks and, and provide some opportunities for sit downs with us to ask questions, uh, learn about the program. At the same time, we also worked with the national organizations, like I said, associations to help them come out from the aspect of here's our technical resource side of things and then allow those national associations to also participate in helping bring their members along with it. So that's what I would encourage them to do is reach out to the, the people that are knowledgeable within the national associations that they are represented by and engage them from that side of the house. Right. And I'll add that that NPCA, we've put together a spreadsheet to start collecting the data that you need for EPDs. If you know nothing at all about EPDs, we have lots of information on our website. Uh, you can access that spreadsheet and enter your information. You're going to be asked about information in terms of the materials you use, uh, the energy you use, your waste, and things like that. And you're going to need to enter that data for a full calendar year. So if you end up having to do this in 2024 or 2025, the data you'll be entering is for this year or next year. So the sooner you get familiar with it and what you're going to need, the better off, the better situation you'll be. And um, as, as I close up, Craig, with this, uh, with this episode, I wanted to ask you, have you spoken to anybody who's gone through this program, submitted the EPD, and maybe any other benefits that they've actually realized from going through this exercise. You know, some of the feedback that we have had from those folks who are carrying the EPDs now is that as they, as they delve into this process and they start looking at that background information that goes into the generation of EPD, um, and then get into the EPD tools that are available for them to create them, they're finding out or they're able to see where efficiencies can be gained in their, in their processes. So I think it's not only beneficial in terms of knowing where you're at, in terms of what your product is, in terms of GWD, but it also allows you to see where you may dial in efficiencies in your operations to become more efficient and a cleaner uh, in your material in the long run. Right. Yeah, I've gotten the same feedback from some of our members that have done this. It's allowed them to get a snapshot of where the where the numbers, where the GWP tends to be a little higher and and in their operations, and that's allowed them to really pinpoint areas that are good candidates for um, 
looking at efficiencies and things like that. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of benefits uh, other than, uh, you know, whatever authority is requiring uh, the the, uh, the EPD. Well, you've done a great job out there in Colorado, Craig. You've certainly stepped up, and uh, you guys have done a, a great job. And I appreciate you coming on today and, and telling us about it. Well, I appreciate you having me, Claude, and I'll just give a quick shout out to my team members. Um, so I had uh, Ailey Goodall. Uh, she's our uh, she's in our payment design program here. I volunteered for this program. Uh, we've got Bill Schiebel with Roxall and Meyer with the Right Environment, who are really uh, critical on our team. Uh, we've also had participation with uh, the UC, sorry, sorry, CU Boulder with Christopher Cincinnati and and uh, Brian Dobling, our our local FHW Colorado Division payment materials representative. So it's been a team effort for sure, but we could have got this far without uh, without all their help. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, all right. Thanks very much, Craig. All right, thank you, Claude. I appreciate it. That's our show. We hope you enjoyed it and can take some ideas from it back to your place of work. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a rating to help us reach more people, both inside and outside of our industry. See you next time on Breaking the Mold.